Hello, listeners, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of World Forge. World Forge is a podcast by creators and for creators, where we use random prompts to invent just about anything you can imagine. Together, we'll make heroes and villains, ancient monsters and magical cities. And our hope is that we inspire all the other creators and storytellers out there listening to do the same. So, without any further ado, I'm Sam. And I'm Piper. And welcome to World Forge. All right. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of World Forge. Welcome back. Uh, Piper, how are you doing this week? Doing pretty good. How about you? <laughs> good, good. We're, I think, a little less exhausted than we were at our last recording. We've had some time to de-stress from our yeah. busy convention season. And <laughs> nah, got to relax. We went to the beach today, which is really nice. Yes. Yeah, yeah. it was very hot. And uh, a trip to the beach was just what the doctor ordered, I think, for us. That was really nice. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> yeah. So what are we talking about this week on the podcast? So this week, we are each going to be coming up with an original fantasy um, race. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think about it for a second. Yeah, I so, wanted to say series, but no, a race. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, elves, dwarves, uh, kobolds, dragonborn, all that stuff. That's all played out. We mm-hmm. are going to make something new and exciting and never before seen exactly yeah and so i already have a couple of things that i think it's important to talk about but before i bring that up i'm going to generate our word um, to see what we're going to be working with this week so let's see what we have here Ooh, ooh, okay. Um, the word that I was given when I used my random word generator was destroy. Destroy. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So like a, I'm picturing like like Klingon or something, you know, a, a warlike race. That's yeah. kind of cool. That is kind of the first thought that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I wanted to ask or, or bring up right off the bat when we were talking about, um, you know, fantasy races. Yes. So if you look at the fantasy races that already exist, mm-hmm. um, most of them, I think, they start with something that's human-like and then they develop from there yeah i think that's um so i think that's something that we have to consider is are we going to do something similar or are we going to be basing our races off of something else i kind of tend to lean towards basing it off of something else because i think if you just take a human and make them slightly different in my opinion that's kind of boring (laughs) and i always want to try and find something that's more exciting or, or different in some way yeah and i think that's kind of classically your approach to this and i know that you off air you kind of roast me a lot for whenever we play games i always tend to play as uh, a human man human man yeah (laughs) someone that i have a lot in common not a big stretch for me to role play as a a human man but um you know i think as a, a dungeon master a lot of times i play so many characters as a person who's running games so i get to play as the dwarves and the elves and the kenku and all you know all the weird uh, sort of other races. So for me, I, it is kind of a little bit of a uh, sort of like a luxury for me to be able to settle into something. It, it, it's out of the ordinary for me to play as a human in a lot of ways. Uh, but I do think that I let myself get complacent <laughs> and, and start in that level of comfort. So I also really want to try and branch out and do something that is not just based on that sort of human-centric baseline yeah. uh, starting point. So, 
So maybe I, I we should start good. by kind of looking at some of the characteristics that are the biggest things about some of the other fantasy races that already exist. Yeah. Like, for example, elves, I think, are most well known for the fact that they are very, like, ethereal and they live yeah. forever. That's, yeah. I think, a big, two big things about them. Yeah. Um, dwarves, uh, shorter than humans, mm-hmm. uh, very kind of... S- stout and sturdy strong workers yeah and i think their environment is a big part of them that they are like people from beneath the earth i agree yeah i think sort of at their core most fantasy races are based around an adaptation to a certain type of lifestyle or Mm -hmm. a certain place yeah and so kind of focusing in on that i think is one of the more important starting points when Mm -hmm. you're looking to come up with something new uh having a really really strong starting point like destroy i think is great because that's uh there's nothing really abstract about that i think we can really easily kind of wrap our heads around okay destroy either they are maybe they're a civilization civilization that was destroyed or a civilization that is a destroyer of other other races or something like that yeah Um, and there are a lot of adaptations that can come out of being a a warlike race or a race that is always beset by war from from other sides so so going off of what you just said mm-hmm. one of the things that comes to mind for me is i liked what you said about they are something that was destroyed or mm-hmm. is a a cause of this destruction i think normally i'm more inclined to go with an, a destructive race um mm-hmm. i klingons are my favorite yeah. i love making warrior based <laughs> people and cultures yeah. i think it's really exciting to have something yeah. so strong and conquering nothing so wrong I'm, with an old standby yeah know, but. no but so i'm going to challenge myself and i want to go along the lines of that kind of um they were something no, i like the idea that they are something that came about after destruction okay and so when I first say that, the first images that come to my mind are sort of like after um, some horrible incident has occurred, you see like little like plants starting to grow out of like a lava flow or out of the okay. remains of some disaster. And so maybe my people are kind of plant-based. Okay. And they're, I'm sort of getting a sense that they're kind of opportunists, that they see sort of a... Uh, a vacuum where something once was Mm -hmm. and they say look now we can thrive here and and survive here and sort of take over this space that used to belong to whatever else i think my race would be nomadic in that kind of strange way is that they they kind of emerge naturally after destruction has happened and they emerge kind of like i think they definitely have a deep connection with nature since plant being part plant is so much of their being they come to these places they grow and they heal the land and then they move on to the next disaster i like that so they have a really close really they they give something back at the same time as their sort of symbiotic relationship yes to it um i think that's really cool i also like the idea of a both being nomadic and plant-based seems very contradictory right because you don't yeah you don't really see a you know, a tree doesn't get up and walk away. I got an idea. I got an idea. I got an idea. <laughs> okay, idea? so um, after this big disaster happens and then they start sprouting from the ground and they these beings form and they do mm-hmm. their healing and everything, mm-hmm. I think when their time has done, when when the time has come that they've finished, you know, the, the, the task they've come to do of healing this place, 
Um, it would actually be, I bet, this kind of beautiful ceremony for them. And I think this even happens. They they will come to a place and be there for like several hundred years. Mm -hmm. And then maybe by that time, they'll have befriended other races in the area. And people will be like, oh, you're going to be here forever. And then some of them will be like, well, actually, no, our time is coming to blossom and leave. And it would be this incredible thing where they all kind of like open up and these like spores yeah. fly out of them or these seeds and they catch the wind and they fly away. I like that. And then they that goes on to help them go someplace new. Yeah, and I think you could definitely see that the longer they so when they're young, they can move around and they're they're more uh kind of flexible and able to adapt to new things and the older they get the more they become connected to the specific place they're in right mm -hmm. and it's not until they reach this stage that they can start to branch out and and re-adapt to something new yeah. they they flower and their you know petals and seeds blow off in the wind and they find a new place and the cycle kind of starts over yeah i think that's also a really neat thing sort of the, the cyclical nature mm -hmm. of them that uh they you know, maybe it's like a in a reincarnation equivalent for you know like what a human too. would see or something that they they live a life in one place as one one tree or plant or yeah. whatever, and then they on the wind are carried to their next location and when they and settle they then yeah. it starts again as a new sort of being so this brings to mind something that if this were in a story that i was writing a scene that i would have to include mm -hmm. would be something along the lines of like there would be a character who was not of this race maybe a human or an elf or whatever um, a gorilla, a bear, whatever, <laughs> and they would, um, they would befriend um, one of these people of my race, um, and then they would be there during their uh, kind of dispersing, their flowering as they they fade away, and that person would then go off into the world, and maybe like fifty years later, they'd be you know wandering around, and they would encounter um, another person of another colony of these the species, and they'd be talking to them, and they'd have something where they're like, you know, you remind me of this person that I once knew who is like you. And it could be that person reincarnated or re-blossomed. I like that. Yeah. And so they kind of meet up again. So do they carry over a memory from their previous incarnations or are they completely anew? I mean, would they say, oh, yeah, you're Jim from <laughs> They don't. I don't <laughs> think they, they mostly create anew. I think they have... They hold on to like the emotions and like the lessons and the memories that they've learned from their past times. So I think they're a very progressive race in that way. And that like if they had grudges or a fight at some point when they regrow and they become anew again, that will have been like forgotten. But they will have learned from that like interaction of, you know, well, we, we know we've been around for so long. We know how to avoid certain certain conflicts and how to do things okay. better. So I don't think right off the bat, like if this person regrew, they would automatically be like, Dave, what up? Long time no see. <laughs> but like if they had a heartfelt conversation with this person, they'd be like, I sense a connection. We did know each other once. I don't remember what okay. what we talked about, but I know that I know you. But there's some kind of a like a genetic memory there or something. Okay. Yeah. I'm also kind of curious. What, so what does this species do in its day-to-day -day life i mean are they what differentiates them from just being a tree or a plant i mean what is what is more you know we said we were trying to steer away from being human-centric mm -hmm. but you know for lack of a better word what is the human-like aspect of them yeah. that makes them 
different than just a, a plant? Um, so I think they do like they all kind of grow together. They're sort of like a combination or a culmination of these different kind of like roots and vines that grow and kind of make this sort of solid form that I think okay. does have like limbs and things they can interact with stuff. Okay. Um, whether or not their head shape is actually looks kind of like a normal human head. I mean, I think it should have a way to communicate verbally. Uh-huh. Um, well, actually, no, because they're not going to have like vocal cords. So I think there is going to be an element of like magic about them that they can kind of like communicate almost telepathically. Okay. They're sort there, of like... It's Grandmother Willow. <laughs> exactly. Something like that. And so um, I... I do see them having limbs, and honestly, I think once these um, individuals like form into enough of a person, because mm-hmm. there are multiples of them, yeah. I think they are essentially farmers. They kind okay. of, I yeah. think they can, they can help the the greenery grow around them, and maybe even they would be like using tools and stuff to facilitate yeah. facilitate that. But it'd be the kind of thing I think where if one of these people were walking around, I think they could put their hand or their like limb to the mm-hmm. earth and help something blossom mm-hmm. there okay um, they're every what every good little druid aspires to be basically right. yeah yeah so, I could, okay cool i could definitely see this as a race that is revered then by certain t- you know by if we're talking in dungeons and dragons uh you know categories here yeah uh any any like ranger or druid or any any type of person that is a steward of nature would sort of say, oh, the, they maybe wouldn't view them as, they would view them as above themselves, right? They probably would see them as like a forest spirit or deity or like yeah. a part of the earth. And these individuals on their own, are, I'm assuming then they just kind of view themselves as like everybody else. They don't see yes. themselves as gods or... Yes, or, because know. I think a big reason why they don't have this higher opinion of themselves is because they are so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So like if somebody sets them on fire, they're gone, but their yeah. seeds will still release within the flame. Yeah. If somebody, if it gets really cold, then they'll kind of shrivel up and they seem to die until the heat comes again and then they can release their seeds okay. and then be reborn. So they, they can be killed, but they can always potentially come back from yeah. that. And uh, so something I also want to clarify. So you've said that it's a bunch of different, it can be a bunch of different bodies. Is it one consciousness no. or is it a bunch of, okay i think it's a bunch of different of, people because okay. i think if it's one con- i mean you can have like races that are all kind of like a hive mind but yeah. i don't want them to be yeah. that i okay. think each one if they wanted they could some what, someone from their group could go off with like a party on a D yeah. mission and go exist okay um i think like i like how you said like you talked about them kind of becoming trees when they're older yeah i think that does happen when they get into like past middle age for these guys they start like (laughs) planting really sturdy roots but I think when they're younger um, I can imagine like every step that they take I think like their feet kind of made of leaves almost would lift up from the ground but there's always going to be like grasses like touching their the bottoms of their feet so when they land again it kind of spreads out and so it kind of like comes up when they lift their leg and spreads down so they can kind of like take steps like that if they need to I like that and I also I also kind of connecting on the idea of whether or not it's like one consciousness or multiple consciousnesses, conscious I, consciousness is, um, <laughs> I, I think, well, they, you know, they have their individual forms and they can think on their own. The older they get, probably the more they become connected to one another as well. Yeah. And they probably can all, you know, at any time can, as long as they are in nature, can communicate in some way with the rest of their 
tribe or, or people or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So that, you know, there would be a network of roots and branches and bramble and underbrush and stuff that would be there like Slack essentially. Yeah. I was just going to talk to, about that. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> instant message each other. Yeah. <laughs> Fantasy Slack. It's like how forests are all holding <laughs> hands under the ground. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like they're holding toes. Their yeah. toes are wrapped around each other. So let's, let's talk about <laughs> your thing. What do you, do you have, what are your initial thoughts about a race based around destruction? Yeah. Well, so you definitely took, I think the more, subversive route mm-hmm. to this yeah <laughs> root hold uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right podcast is over i, I peaked <laughs> bye <laughs> yeah. um i i think in contrast to what you've just created it makes sense probably to go with something that is just a you know a destructive force in the world and i don't necessarily want it to be something that would be at odds with your race specifically but i would want to create something that that values war and honor and you know like the the noble orc that thinks that shedding its blood is the the only way for true honor and glory to be achieved yay Um, so you're going to be making a race that i would fall in love with yeah basically basically (laughs) also i will be making a race that has been made 10 million times before no (laughs) we can find a way to make this super unique for you yeah well and that so that is what i'm kind of trying to figure out is what is the way to to differentiate this warlike race from all the other warlike races out there. And I I mean, we have races that are warlike because of religious reasons, Mm -hmm. like fanaticism. We have um, races that are warlike because they just have a predisposition for being huge and it's Mm -hmm. what they're good at. What is a reason why a race would be warlike that we haven't seen before? Well, so one thing that I was actually thinking um, to not... I will answer your question, but the first thing that I thought to actually kind of make this different is all of those races who are warlike, they enjoy this cause that they have. What if your race was destructive and warlike, but it hated that about itself, but it couldn't change that? Like maybe your race is sort of like, you know how sort of like... um, if you look at like this image of like the devil or whatever, right? And he controls all the demons. Yeah. Maybe they're a race created by something else and their purpose was to destroy and to wage war, but inside that most of them don't like it. Yeah, no, okay, I, I like that. I, I think either a so as you were kind of saying that I was I was trying to think of real life examples of this, right? Mm-hmm. And if you look at like you if you look at um well Never, I'm never. I'm, I was going to go into something that was very political here, but there, <laughs> yeah, there are instances <laughs> in in reality of you know when when uh, a powerful civilization comes through and the you know the natives of a given area that they're trying to take over, if they see oh well these guys are in good shape and they're fit and we should conscript them into our army, and then that sort of elevates this yeah you know this hunter gatherer civilization into. Mm-hmm you know, we're now conscripted soldiers, right? Um, And maybe this is a race that at some point was used as soldiers because it was just, you know, they just happened to be slightly bigger than their neighbors because they have a different diet or something like that. Mm -hmm. And over hundreds or thousands of years of this, they got really, really good at it. And then maybe the parent race that conscripted them into their army was destroyed somehow. And now they're they're just left with all of these, you know, powerful war skills of war but they don't really have any reason to keep doing it anymore. And so eventually over time, as they get further and further and further away from that, Mm -hmm. their ideologies have evolved beyond, you know, wanting to be warlike and be subservient, but they still retain these sort of of warlike traditions. Yeah, exactly. So So it's kind of like this civil war within your group between the old ways and these kind of perspective new ways. Yes. Yeah. So, um, 
I, I think that's a cool kind of moral conundrum that it's it's like if you create something, you're sort of responsible for it. And if, you know, if you end up disappearing, it's you've kind of done something really terrible by giving it's like giving someone a gun and saying this is the only thing that's you know that the only value you can have is to is to use this gun because you're so good at using this gun right mm -hmm. and then once you've shot all your enemies it's like well what do i have left to do anymore right like you they've lost all purpose almost mm -hmm. and so this would be a race that's on like in search of another purpose so maybe they become over you know eons or whatever they become these like enlightened scholars because they're constantly in pursuit of a higher purpose that isn't that just would be this, really cool this warlike tradition that they always had yeah sweet but did they like struggle to like turn the pages slowly because they're so used to like being about everything and they always like rip the books yeah every and time everything they... it's like it's all about deep concentration don't use too much strength exactly every time they button their shirt they tear all their buttons and off. it just goes go, no they're just constantly yeah. flexing their shirts off but no one wears shirts in your in your yeah culture. They, they can't uh they can't hold like glasses like normal people if they try to shatter. go for a drink everything has to be made of metal or they'll just crush it in their hands i think the most powerful member of your race would be the most delicate and dainty of them someone oh, who okay. has who is who is very in control of their strength and themselves and they seem whereas normally like in a warrior society the toughest strongest one is yeah. the one that they all admire yeah and this one it's the individual within your race who is the most careful and like delicate maybe they're a dancer i think that's yeah no i think it's really interesting because i think they would look for the traits that are uncommon yeah right i mean in in ideal fantasy setting and you know in like a true high fantasy romantic sort of setting you elevate those who are you know the, the common folk aren't noble or brave or strong in the same way as king arthur is a hero who has he's right. just and and wise and smart and and is a great fighter and all these things but right. he knows how to use all of these things in mm -hmm. the right way and he doesn't want to harm people right and those are valuable because they're unlike what the common folk have so if all exactly. the common folk are these huge powerful you know brutes basically mm -hmm. it would be these traits that are uncommon yeah and I, that's perfect timing here for our <laughs> for our timer um so that puts us at roughly the 20 minute mark here, which is traditionally the mm -hmm. point of the show when we decide to throw a wrench in the gears and yes, add a crazy but first, modifier. But yeah, I'm going to throw a here? wrench into your gears and say, <laughs> Sam, well, okay, I need two things from you. I okay. need you to first, an easy one, yeah. give us kind of a physical description. Yeah. And then B, second, uh, what are you going to call your species? Because I've been trying to think about yeah. mine, my race, yeah. what I want them to be called. So and what are your thoughts about what they look like? So I'm, I'm trying to think... I think before I can establish what they look like, I want to think about where they would live or where they would be from and what is kind of interesting as a, a warlike race. Um, you know, we, we've seen, I think traditionally, the mind will jump in fantasy settings right to like orcs or mm -hmm. or uh, in sci-fi to Klingons or something. Right. And I think they're all very... Coming out of mud pits or walking around volcanoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big old mountains, um, punching rocks. And I think being big and muscular and having, you know, tusks or like a weird, you know, lumpy face or whatever, it's very... Um, I, I tend to associate orcs with like a warthog or something like that because they're like big and muscular and yeah. have big teeth. And I, I mean, it'd I, be cool I, if you guys yeah, had big tusks. Well, I'm kind of thinking I want to sort of subvert that a little bit because okay. something that you wouldn't necessarily see as a warlike race would be uh, like traditionally avian races. Like birds are seen as more like 
you know, we're archers and we shoot from afar yeah, and we can kind of hit and run. Bones. Yeah, uh, I, I like the idea of maybe making them like a like Stymphalian birds or whatever. So the, the Greek birds that have uh, iron feathers. Oh. So maybe they are these like big hulking birds, like a, like a rock or something like that. Cool. And they are, you know, they're super fast and agile, but they're also very, very strong. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's neat. So they're, so they're like they're... The, the Air Force of yeah. the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're Which... not like tanks on the ground. They're, yeah. they're flying in from above. And I think that would explain a, a way in which they would be differentiated from the more, you know, say they're living in, an, in a universe where we have these traditional warlike races like like Warforged or like Orcs or, or you know, like something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to fly would give them a significant edge over any of these other races that, that yeah. could otherwise go toe-to-toe with them. So, yeah, I like the idea of them being just these big, muscular, kind of kind of bird-like people. So they would basically have, like, sort of a human body and, like, a you know, a large torso and then these these long, like, golden brown sweeping feathers that they would glisten in the sun as they fly. And maybe that would be what, how people would know is, like, they would they would shimmer on the horizon when these big cool. ar- fleets of them come So in. do they have wings on their backs and then arms and hands? Or do they, are there... Wings, no, I think their, their hands. arms are their wings. Okay, yeah. so and they, they have usually... hands at the end of wings. Okay, almost like a like a uh, you know like a gargoyle or something almost. Okay, that has like cool. webbing wings underneath its arms. Do they have like beaks, like yes. long beak faces? Yeah, I think long beak like faces. Okay, and I think there would be different strains of them, so mm-hmm. they could take on the appearance you know they're they're very eagle or, or like raptor like cool. in general but i could imagine there being different strains of them that have you know there are other bird-like races maybe there's intermixing so there's some that are more uh like dainty like crane like or i was gonna say like or something that like that thing yeah. that we described earlier the dainty one should be a crane yeah i, yeah. I think that's a great th- it would be you know only once every you know 100 years or something like that a, a crane one survives or can rise to to yeah. adulthood or something like that's that that's cool so they're they're revered because i bet yeah they're probably like how with um like i know with owls in the nest oftentimes they're at least i've seen they usually like three are born and like one of them dies and the other two eat that one the other, yeah they eat yeah so probably <laughs> if this crane like one or this this daintier one has survived yeah. that long that in itself is admirable yeah they've I, made it to adulthood i like that and i think still being able to have the the metallic feathers would be really cool but maybe instead of being these like you know bronze or or kind of copper rusty looking feathers they would be like a a a slight silver feather so they'd be finer and they would be more you know kind of beautiful more Mm -hmm. than imposing or terrifying yeah yeah okay so challenge number two Mm -hmm. come up with your name i think I don't know. So I'm trying to think of of bird-like descriptors, Yeah. right? See, what I'm trying to do is I've been mulling over what I want to call my guys. And this is usually what I do when I try to come up with like a sci-fi race or something. I try to think of words in my head or things that sound like words that I know and then kind of tweak them a little bit Mm -hmm. so they're not actually words that exist in our language. Yeah. So like um, with my kind of uh, fair... um, a plant-based species mm-hmm. i'm thinking of words sort of like like wind song is a, like a word that popped into my head okay. and like maybe i can alter that to be more like wind sea like maybe they are the wind sea or something like okay. that that sounds very wistful they could when they blow away um yeah. so you know to me i think a, a big consideration here is everyone has a name that they call themselves mm-hmm. right but we know things by you know we come up with different names that fit our own tongues right um 
you know, one of my favorite kind of anecdotes about this is the the German word for horseradish, Mertech. Right. It, it when English speakers saw these, they asked the Germans, they're like, "What is this weird white radish thing? This weird spicy radish? Like, what is it called?" And the Germans said Mertech, and they said, "Oh, like like a horse, like a mare, like a horse." And they said, "No, mare, which means sea, tech, which means." root or radish or something like that because it's a radish that grows by the sea mm-hmm. but the english speakers said no, no no we don't care it sounds like the word for horse we're going to call it horseradish <laughs> so the names of things get kind of corrupted by yeah. the the language that is trying to name them well yeah so, so maybe their original conquerors yeah took their name and skewed it that's exactly what i'm saying yeah. I, I i think the the race that was previously like their their parent race or their their overlords essentially um would maybe have heard a sound that they make and have tried to translate that into their tongue. So they, you know, these bird-like people probably don't speak the common tongue naturally because they have, yeah, exactly. They make bird-like sounds. They have a bird-like voice box. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I I would, you know, thinking of like a screech or a scry or a scraw or a the, the scraw. The scraw, yeah, something like cool. that. Yeah, so we've got the scraw and the, the wind sea. Yeah, the scraw and the, and the wind sea. I like it. And I like the idea of the wind sea as, like, that would be, an, they only refer to them all as, like, collectively because maybe not everyone understands that they aren't one consciousness. I think right. it would be easy for a lot of races to mistake, uh, you know, a big group of trees that is that and, can all connect and right, talk and plant, through like people, plant yeah. like slack or whatever yeah mm-hmm. uh, uh i i think that would be something that would be very difficult for most commoners to kind of wrap their heads around if they even cared to try yeah so because uh, that would neat. be um yeah something interesting too is that they don't have parents so or family lines to carry on last names that's a good point or to have yeah. somebody to name them when they come into existence so i think the wind sea when a wind sea is born it gets to pick a name for itself it would be a wind seaman Well, I think, actually, um, I think it would be something similar to what we kind of associate with sort of like a Native American naming style when it's translated. It'd be maybe one of the first, like, important things that they saw. So, like, there's probably a lot of wind sea named Sunrise. Okay. Um, But it also depends on their cluster. And so maybe there's a wind sea and... it. Yeah, it saw a a raspberry bush. And so it calls itself raspberry. raspberry. I like that a lot. Um, That's very elven and it makes sense for a race that's as connected to nature that, yeah, they would, the way they act or they would see something that's meaningful to them and they would say, why not just take that as my name? Right. I think that's really cool. Thanks. Uh, You're welcome. (laughs) Okay, let's go into our, let's throw some some things into this. Let's sugar on some spice. Yes. Uh... I think you went first last time, if, Probably. if I recall. So I'll go spin ahead. I'll get my spinning dial. finger ready here. We're doing a spin job right now. And let's see how we are going to just take these birds and throw them in the trash. By the way, I think we should start weeding out some of the ones that we keep getting. I know. We have been getting a lot of them. Oh, okay. So we got... This isn't even my final form. Ooh, perfect. Uh, we, yeah, we haven't gotten one yet before. So All of your birds get together to make one giant mech <laughs> with their metal yeah, wings. Yeah. So, so what is some other like ascended form that they have or, or some other progression beyond what we see? They, they would have to have some kind of... Well, we, we kind of talked about they have a different form they can be born appearing as different strains of mm-hmm. birds they can be more crane like or more parrot like rather than raptor like um i wonder if there is so maybe rather than the the crane one being born every 100 years or so maybe there is like a big like a like a wind god gwehair or or you know like king of the eagles type 
uh, uh, scrawl that's born every thousand years or so, or that they prophesize Maybe. to be born every thousand years, like a big yeah. Mer- Merahute or something like that. That would be cool. Um, yeah, I think that would be a, a fun thing that they would all just be kind of constantly expecting. Like, would this be their like chosen one, their prophesied yeah, one? Yeah, I think so. And as much as we both kind of hate chosen one stories, <laughs> <laughs> as sort of boring as that can sometimes be, mm-hmm. um, I do think that that's something that in reality a lot of cultures tend to sort of gravitate towards having these these mythologies well, like a of a, yeah of a yeah. savior figure or of a you know he's the best he or she is the best of what we all could potentially be well maybe one of these first like larger than life versions that came about was born during a time when they started seeking this yeah. intelligent independence yeah of, so in, right of trying as to right encourage themselves their, yeah, yeah. so maybe it was simultaneously something elegant like a crane but also incredibly big yeah i like that i like that a lot and yeah and it just happens to be this ancient hero and they they say that another one will rise every every so often to lead them into salvation so one thing i think is interesting about that though is is that um they probably wouldn't know this individual was so significant until they reached adulthood because when they're born they're probably still small oh no they they just come out of a big ass egg well if somebody (laughs) laid one of the eggs it's a bunch of little robin's eggs and an ostrich egg so they're like oh so it was kind of weird about that which one was going to be their their special guy i think it's more interesting that maybe they're born small or normal and then they have to grow into their that's probably true their strength yeah, and, you know, they have to go through trials and survive, and that's what sort of proves them. You know, they're born as this chosen one, but they also have to sort of earn it and come into it and prove themselves. So that yeah. there's almost like a divine connection to it that they have to be granted this, or they have to earn this right that they've mm-hmm. sort of been born with. What I do we like say yours is called? The scraw. The scraw. Scraw. Cool. Scraw. Awesome. Scraw. Yeah, scraw. that's how they would. In, in their tongue, it would be the scraw. Cool. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, yeah. All right. Should uh, I spin this yeah, dial? Yeah. Get your get your spinners. Let's see what I'm gonna do. To and these, let's see what you can do. These sweet wind yeah, songs. Wind I don't really want to do anything to these sweet tree people. I know. <laughs> I hope really it's nice. something nice. <laughs> uh, but hey, you know that's the cookie crumble sometimes. Uh, keep going. Yes. Oh my okay, god. What do we got? Okay. Battle Royale. Ooh, this is our first okay. time getting Battle yes, Royale. first time getting Battle Royale. Um, so what that means is, and that was kind of the original concept of the show, yeah. is that every time we created something, we'd make them fight each other. Yeah. But now it's come up organically. Um, so now we have to come up with a scenario in which uh, Sam's Scraw and my Wincy are going to yeah. interact and they have to fight, essentially. Okay. The Scraw keep pooping on all the branches of the... <laughs> They wouldn't mind that because it'd just be fertilizer and they could just grow more. Well, Um, it's nice when it falls on your roots, but when it gets in your hair, it's a little different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they don't have that. So so my people are not a warrior race. In fact, they don't really have anything that they can use for that. Um, So I feel like if you... If the Scraw, for whatever reason, decided to take out the Windsea, there wouldn't be much of a fight behind it. I agree. Um, The only things that I'm thinking of... That might, because there need to be, because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of sort of how like in Lord of the Rings, the, mm-hmm. um, the tree folk, the ants, the ants, they Thank all you. get together and they, they use their, their ant muscles <laughs> to, uh, to take out the bad guys yeah. when normally they're a very peaceful group. But Don't then even they, get me started on the ants. I know, oh, but then they prove my, to be very formidable my allies. My boys. <laughs> Sam's, um, boy bands. He's so, got yeah, a poster of them in his room. Sometimes I think about the ant wives for too long and I just have to go, I guess, I'm going to be sad for the next four hours. Yeah, sweet Ant Wives. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Oh, thank anyway. you. Thank you, Tolkien. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm, I want to see if maybe there's a reason, like maybe there was some big cataclysmic event that they knew yeah. that like if they were to just like blow away as they always did, like there would be no coming back. That something was happening, that they would have to stay around and fortify themselves um, mm-hmm. and actually put up a fight. Maybe it was it was like a drought year or something like that when normally they were reaching the age when they would have you know blossomed and and spread and gone somewhere new but the the conditions weren't right for it and so they weren't able to you know to gather up the strength and nutrients to do it and so they're stuck in one place longer than they should have been and maybe they knew that this scraw group was coming through and they wanted to get out of there because they didn't want to be involved in this fight but they were stuck there for you know for reasons that were beyond their control because they the nature did not provide what they needed to be able to move on right but i think they need a cause a reason to fight because if they were just there and your guys were coming to kill us they would just be like oh well you can kill us like if you want to we're sad that you're going to do that (laughs) but we'll just come back again later it's disappointing that this is the choice you've made right very painful for us but i guess it's fine (laughs) i know they'll just kind of let you destroy them and then make you feel really bad about it afterwards um but no i think like the the a reason that they would maybe kind of like fortify and actually try to put up a fright a fight is if there was a community nearby that depended on them that was yeah. totally helpless that only they could like protect or something okay. so That's maybe yeah. maybe there was like a, a coven of druids or witches or something that lived in in a forest that was composed of the wind song or something and so you they, know what they teamed together okay i had a thought earlier Um, When I was thinking about how to describe my Mm -hmm. characters physically, because I think Mm -hmm. just having them be like a twisted mass of branches and and things that look like a somewhat human shape. Um, We've seen that before. Yeah, we have dryads and we have... Exactly. And And so one thing that I was thinking about that might make them slightly different is that there's um, sort of like how will-o'-the-wisps give off this kind of blue glow. I think inside each windson is a windsy there is a a little kind of like like magical flame or this kind of light that's in there um and so whenever they die that light returns to the source and that's kind of what helps them come back every time so there's sort of like a a hub that they all kind of come from exactly and so i bet they would fight if they knew that what um the scrawl were targeting was the source of their like eternal light Okay. If they had found it and they were like, we're going to go and destroy them for whatever reason. Yeah. And so that would be a reason for the Windsea to try and protect their eternal light so they can keep on healing the earth. Because maybe that light is like the soul of this place, of the earth itself. And so if it's destroyed, then nothing will come back. Yeah, that's interesting. I I think so from the Scraw's perspective, I want to sort of decide where in the history of the Scraw this confrontation would be taking place i think definitely the most interesting time in in their timeline would be immediately after freedom when they're trying to find their sort of new identity and their new place in the world and they still are you know kind of used to being really warlike and just destroying everything in their path but they're kind of starting to get a sense that they can do more and that they want to do more and sort of change things so you know maybe they're roaming the world looking for a new place to live and they see this uh you know this this perfect paradise like forest or you know wherever it is that that this spirit lives and they say wow this is exactly what we need but we have to clear everybody else out of here so we can get this and so they start coming in and just you know fighting and and wreaking havoc basically and yeah 
tearing everything down. And I, I think it wouldn't be something where they could not be reasoned with, but mm-hmm. it's just not something that they really can. They're still so used to, you know, right. snap to, to combat because that's the thing that they're so good at. It's easy for them to do. Exactly. So what I am wondering is when the wind sea and the scraw are confronted with each other it, it, the wind sea wouldn't be interested in fighting outright what would they do to try and stop conflict from happening before it it really comes to a full-scale war like what would they do to try and say no no, no we can be allies or we can, you know it's not this is not the approach that we should be taking so i think the wind sea must be notoriously um good ambassadors okay. um, and communicators yeah that makes sense because i think um like what i said earlier about how they each time they they regrow they still have kind of the collective knowledge and lessons that they've learned from before so okay. they're they're good like negotiators and i think that would actually be really cool if like they were like a side side story if they were like kingdoms at war like the king's advisors might bring in a wind sea to help like facilitate facilitate the oh, discussion like between people because because they can say you know i've seen this all before exactly maybe i didn't directly experience it but there's something in me that is familiar with with this type of conflict or right. with this conversation so there's just a little twinkle of wisdom right. that is beyond the the ken of any other yes race. so i think I like their that. first approach would be they they at first wouldn't be worried because uh-huh. they're like this is what we do we'll talk to the scraw we'll convince them that this is there are other good places to be and i bet they could even negotiate really well they'd say we will grow you an even more beautiful home than this one yeah we can do that we have that ability <laughs> um we I mean, have look, the power I'm a tree. yeah Come on. i will like, grow I you the grow most you whatever you want. beautiful home that you want <laughs> um so i think their first technique or their first strategy would be uh just to talk with them yeah. just try to convince them this isn't what they need to do yeah um so i guess what we need to say is are the scraw or the representative of the scraw i don't know if it's a group of people or if it's one who's kind of has this idea in their mind that they have to be there for some reason or somebody persuaded by well so if this if this is the time in the scraw cycle Mm -hmm. where they are achieving their independence for the first time and they're being led by this giant heroic okay uh, you know king arthur of eagles basically mm-hmm. um i think he would have a touch more wisdom and and sense of diplomacy and sort of moral justice mm-hmm. and i think he would be amenable to you know like parlaying with uh with the the wind song mm-hmm. um and the i think he would the, the wind sea yes uh and, and i think he would also he probably would have in his sort of coterie also the the crane like ones you know as an advisor you would have someone so i think this would sort of be what in future generations the scraw would look back as kind of the golden age of the scraw where yeah all of these this would be all in of their these holy great, testaments yeah all of these like traits that are expressed by these heroes of theirs are, are actually put to the test you know does this perfect just ruler actually act justly when he has the opportunity to you know, say, maybe we don't fight right now. You know, yeah. maybe that isn't always the best thing to do. And he's able to take advice from his advisors, the, the uh, you know, the others among his party that are wiser or smarter or more patient or, you know, whatever than him. Cool. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting. Yeah, so I honestly see, um, unless there was something that would be confused or misunderstood, I see this ending peacefully. I think yeah. they would talk it through. I th- yeah, I think at, at this stage they certainly would. Yes, yeah. I think they'd be fine. Yeah, um, if it were a hundred years prior, right? If their they overlords were forcing gone. them, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. In that um, fictional 
well, in, in that in that idea that mm-hmm. someone else was leading them and they had to fight, one thing that I, I like the image of is that, um, you know how, like, big ancient trees sometimes grow around boulders? Yeah. I think that would be one of their weapons, is these oh, boulders cool. that are, like, twisted up in their in their roots. Oh, they have, they like, could, a mace that's, like, Exactly, so they would, like, pull this part of them yeah. out of the ground. They could use it as a big bludgeoning cool. tool. That's very, like, earth elemental. Yeah. Like, uh, that, that's really, really cool. I think they could maybe too, um, if they really wanted to, they could spread their roots out and break up the ground and cause openings yeah. to form to have people drop down. And I'm sure they have, you know, brambles and ivy and and like poisonous plants that grow off of them. I'm sure they have all manner of yeah. ways of using nature to the you know to, to the for the purposes of defending themselves. Right? Mm-hmm. Not that they do this all the time, but. They could because yeah. they are all of these things and they can commune through all of these things and kind of connect with them. I actually like the idea of the bramble. It makes me think of how in like Sleeping Beauty, um, she puts that, that forest yeah, of, thorns of thorns around the yeah. castle. I think they would have learned from this encounter that the place where their their source of of life uh-huh. is based i think there uh-huh. needs to be a protective wall like multiple yeah that makes sense multiple layers of defense around this place there needs to be yeah. like a dense like forest of thorns there needs to be plants that like release like sleepy hormones or something yeah. that make people fall asleep yeah. and want to go away because I, I, I think even in the most ideal of fantasy settings right where everything is like a perfect happy beautiful world and there's no conflict or whatever peace peace-loving and peace-geared civilizations like this really can only realistically thrive if there is something that is stopping others from, you know, coming in and exploiting them or, right. or from taking over, right? So they would have to have just realistically an understanding that we need to obfuscate our position somehow or our, at least the position of like the source of all of our power we can right. spread out into the world wherever we want and if we die out on these kind of pilgrimages then that's fine mm-hmm. because we'll all come back to the source but the source has to be protected yes because there's just no other way around it we couldn't win a full-scale war we have to do everything we can to hide it yes from people and, and i like the accessible exactly and i like the idea that past these multiple like it would be the ultimate like hero's quest to get to the center yeah. of this place so, yeah so it, the center of a labyrinth basically it's exactly the, yeah. of different like traps and defenses and things but once you get there it would just be i'm just kind of picturing like this big well I, okay my first thought was just mm-hmm. like a big blue like ball of flames yeah but then i'm honestly like yeah. pulling into i don't know just the like image from the bible of the freaking burning bush like what if it was just like you know a plant on fire or something that's constantly burning but it's like something simple like that i mean it was the the original fantasy novel the bible, exactly so. yeah right. <laughs> the original and greatest oh it's the greatest storybook of all time yeah. um but no so i think once if somebody ever did get to the center the power source would be extremely vulnerable you could just kind of like yeah. maybe stomp on it or like just put a blanket <laughs> over it and it would go out and then yeah they would all die forever yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, so, yeah, did, I, I guess just simplifying it here, Battle Royale, if they were at the stage where they were still completely warlike, it, it's over in a very short amount of time. They would just fly over all the brambles and everything. And well, I think it definitely, over. like, encompasses over yeah, the top. Yeah, maybe. But they'd, they'd have to fly through those they'd, brambles. They'd find a way, I think. In this stage, in sort of the golden age of, of Scraw, mm-hmm. I think there's a window of peace that... Diplomacy. Yeah, that... that 
just happens to have all the conditions met just right and that's what sort of founded this like legendary they would probably go on to be great allies yeah. because of this because they would have during the time when their new ideologies were forming the wincy was there and kind of helped them self actualize this new identity that they're kind of trying to discover as a as a culture which i think that yeah. is like a really cool origin for a, <laughs> this is something that I would actually very much love to revisit. We'd, so we've kind of talked about here. I was just going to say yeah, this. For, for future episodes, something that we want to do a little bit more is take kind of cherry pick the things that we really, really like that we've created or that, that uh, listeners have, you know, recommended to us or asked us about and revisit them in more of a long form storytelling mm-hmm. kind of style. So uh, maybe this is something that we'll use as one of our first I would love uh, to. Attempts at that. Because I, I was be just going to say, I would really like yeah. to do sort of like a one-shot episode where it's just kind of like, what if there was a, a D&D party in which one of the characters was yeah. Wincy and one was a Scraw and they have to go off on this adventure together. Star-crossed lovers. You know? How, how does a bird make love to a tree? I don't even know. <laughs> a bird and a tree can fall in love, yeah. but where will they make their nest? Yeah. <laughs> in the tree's hair. Can... <laughs> in the Wincy's head. We, we'll uh, get to have a talk with our listeners about the birds and the trees. Sweet. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> uh, no, I think that I, would I like be really that. fun. Well, yeah, well, you know what? We'll open that up uh, on Twitter and on Reddit or, or, you know, wherever, and we'll see if you guys are yeah. interested in this episode. If we get a solid response to this, maybe that'll be one of the first ones that we can You guys should revisit. give us a prompt. Yes, uh, tell us what please, these two please. individuals from these different races would, what would be their reason for getting together and what are they going to try and solve or, yeah. or do? I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. We, we need a problem that needs to be solved and we mm-hmm. need a reason for these to to be trying to solve it so i think the format this would kind of take would be kind of like a light role play narrative where Mm -hmm. you know piper would play as one character and i would play as another and we would just sort of workshop out how they would interact and kind of tell this as as more of a story or as almost more of like an audio drama and that would maybe be a little bit less improv and more pre-prescribed in advance but yeah i I think that would be a really fun new thing to do can i share what the scenario was that popped into my head which is totally ridiculous yeah just give just you know to whet the appetites of our listeners here (laughs) in case you think that you have to be limited to a fantasy setting you don't because literally the first thought that popped into my head was all right so a scraw agrees to go with his parent his in-laws to this trip but his girlfriend is sick and now he has to go alone and he doesn't want to do that so he calls on his wincy buddy to come with him so it's not so awkward oh i like this yeah yeah okay and i have to go on this trip together and he's like you're a natural uh talker right you can solve this problem and this wincy's like i don't know i've never been much good at diplomacy and then i'm sure we'll see the you know the classic scenario of the you know he's the scraws on a date and he has a little earpiece and the, oh yeah the wind a little like slug in his him, ears whispering right, him and now you should reach forward and put your feathery paw on her forearm whatever, <laughs> as, as a sign of connection tell her that her blossoms are especially <laughs> full yeah. he's like yeah. this isn't working what do birds say how could anyone not want to see where this story is going right <laughs> anyway give us your prompts yeah please give us your prompts uh but yeah i i feel really good about both of our creations here do you have any other closing thoughts anything else that you feel you have left incomplete in your description of the the wind sea or that i've left incomplete in my description of the scraw i don't think so um i wonder if um and i've i've wondered this about like other actual bird fantasy races can the scraw communicate in like a common like language are they able to form oh because there are some birds that can like mimic there are birds that yeah like ravens can talk raven you can basically have a conversation with a raven like a raven is smarter than most 
11 year olds well, i was just wondering because they if they have beaks they don't necessarily could form certain words yeah but it's not about your so. beak it's about if they have a, a sophisticated enough vocal cord system right, right? i mean so you have like minor birds that can mimic the sound of a camera or a chainsaw or whatever yeah. because they hear foresters or nature photographers or whatever. Right. So, so they yeah. can speak common yeah they probably have a little trouble making like m or like b sounds because they don't have lips but mm-hmm. you know they they'll make it work cool <laughs> I think the uh, the windsong are especially drawn to music. The oh, scene. I like that. Yeah, yeah, that I makes think sense. If that you... would also probably be something that the scraw would, you know, that only some scraw have like very good singing voices because most of them wouldn't be songbirds. Right. So it's also something they would probably revere. In, yeah. If we revisit this, I want to learn more about your um, your graceful like dancer bird who leads oh, these yeah. great big warriors. Mm, yeah. Would he yeah. or she? I think it should be a lady. Yeah, well, it probably should be a lady. Yeah. I mean, boys can dance. Boys can dance. Yeah. But cats can't dance. So sad. Hey, Sam, what's the (laughs) thing that we should recommend to people? Yeah, so here's another new segment that we want to kind of bring into the show this week so every week we we've been really trying to connect a lot more on twitter and on reddit and we've found a really really cool community of other you know dms and writers and storytellers and in the tabletop role-playing game communities and in the dungeons and dragons communities and something that i really really love that we've seen uh, is everyone wants to kind of lift each other up and everybody always wants to recommend other resources or podcasts or, or you know, accounts to each other. So something that we want to do is every week we want to say, talk about something that we've encountered out in the community that we think is really, really great that we want to share with you guys that you should go listen to. And this week, what I really, really want you guys to go and take a look at is actually another podcast called We Speak Common. And uh, these are a couple of guys, uh, Ben and Joe, who have a podcast that's fairly similar to ours in scope, except they get a little more into the specifics of the, the D&D sort of slant. So they talk a lot about mechanics of Dungeons & Dragons. They're both DMs. They've both been playing for a while. They talk about their experiences playing and as running ga- and running games. They get into some of the storytelling and the, the kind of world-building side of things that we do. And I think they have a really, really great, really well-rounded approach to talking about these things. They're really, really fun to listen to. Uh, so definitely go check them out. We Speak Common. Uh, you can find them on Twitter, uh, We Speak Common. Uh, they're available on most major podcasting platforms. We'll put a link to them in the description as well. And uh, also, we will. I think this is a kind of a perfect starting point because we have been talking with them. We'll probably be uh, in the next couple weeks here uh, hearing them uh, come on our show as guests. And yeah, we'll be we'll, doing a crossover. Yeah, we'll be doing a fun crossover with them. So we'll be going on their show talking about some of our experiences as DMs. We'll be kind of parting the curtain a little bit and talking more about our background with a lot of this. And they'll be coming on here to help us come up with some kind of crazy creation that... Uh, yeah, I think will be a lot of fun. Yeah. So, yeah, go check them out and uh, check us out uh, at World Forge Pod on Twitter. You can send us an email at worldforgepod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. If you have any feedback or any fan art or fan fiction or fan mail, we'd love to hear it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The next episode that we're going to do is probably going to be uh, based on one of your prompts and suggestions. Yes. So we're going, we're straying from our, our easy topics <laughs> and we're tackling something a little yeah. more challenging. So definitely keep those coming in too because we love hearing about the things that are valuable for you guys to hear about. If there's something that you're really struggling to write in your story, let us know. We'll take a swing at it and hopefully we can help you kind of 
break down those writer's blocks. Yeah, and, and we'll laugh our way through some ridiculous story, yeah. stuff for you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's that's about it for us here. Any other thoughts, Piper, from you that you want to leave our wonderful viewers with? Leave us a review. That's what we should say. Hey, leave us that's a, a big thing. Yeah. yeah. If you really enjoy the show, uh, go on iTunes or your podcasting platform uh, of choice and uh, please leave us a, a review. Those are tremendously helpful for us. We love to read them. We love to get the feedback, but also it helps get our podcast in front of the ears of other listeners just like you. So yeah. that is one of the best things you can do to support the show. And it's totally free. So uh, yeah, go and do that. I guess I would just say too is uh, find a way to be creative every single day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We Maybe we'll talk about some creativity tips in the future i don't yeah. have any right now but, i mean uh, my favorite thing is just to uh <laughs> listen to music see what i think of and yeah. uh share it yeah. with somebody probably sam and usually it goes hey sam you're probably not going to care about this but you're going to listen because <laughs> i just had this idea like what if this happened yeah. like just bear with me shut up for five seconds don't judge me <laughs> find somebody who will listen to you when you scream that at them yeah and then usually she goes and writes ten thousand words immediately afterwards and it's yeah. the best thing she's ever written so Woo. yeah uh, yeah, <laughs> that's about it. Uh, let's let's we've rambled enough here at the end of this show and in, in the epilogue. Let's close it out. Thank you, listeners. Uh, yeah, goodbye. Goodbye. Go. Please tell your friends, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Sure will. Bye. Bye.